0: Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship Tomball, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. Join us as we continue our study through the book of Acts, Luke's account of how the Holy Spirit breathed life into and empowered the early church to fulfill the Great Commission after Jesus' passion. Amen, amen. Well, grab a seat. Uh, And if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Acts chapter 16 this morning. You can be flipping there, uh, but before we jump into the sermon, we have a cool opportunity uh, this morning. We have uh, Blake and Mackenzie Wachowski. Would you guys please come forward with your family? Amazing family, come forward. Um, give them a hand as they work their way up for up here. Um, you may not be aware of this, but uh, Bayou City is actually uh, a group of, of, of three communities that uh, one in Spring Branch area, one in Cyprus, and then us here in Tomball. Um, and uh, one of the passions that we have as a church is serving the city and the world. And, and we want to be a part of God's global mission. And that includes a local expression, but also a global expression. And so we have had people um, in the process of growing, serving as missionaries, developing people to go as missionaries, and then sending themselves as missionaries. And, and so we get to hear, I want you to hear a little bit um, uh, from Blake and McKinsey, real quick, I'm gonna grab your mic, um, and I want you to share a little bit about uh, who you are, uh, where you're going, and uh, just some things that we kind of talked about, so please, Blake, share.
1: Yeah, good morning, church family. Uh, first off, I just want to start by saying we really do see you guys as family. Uh, we transitioned down here from another church, and we have just found ourselves uh, totally belonging in this community for the past four years, and uh, we've been at the Spring Branch campus for the past four years, Uh, Me and my family here, Blake, Mackenzie, as Kevin said, and then this is Wilder, he's two, and then sweet little Levi, only three months old. And uh, so, yeah, we'll be transitioning to Chiang Mai here on February 14th, uh, or 18th. But um, jumping back a little bit, for the past four years, we've been at the Spring Branch campus where we've been training people to make disciples both locally and globally. Uh, So as um, Dave was saying when he was up here, we want to see disciples made not just uh, in our own backyard or not just across the world, but in both places. And, uh, and so we've gotten to train people in 10-week groups to share Jesus and make disciples in the places where they live, work, and play every day. Uh, and then we've also had the privilege of walking with people in a nine-month group for the past four years uh, where they learn how to make disciples in global contexts. And uh, now we ourselves, uh, the, the goal has always been to go and uh, we're getting that chance now ourselves. And so we'll be launching to Chiang Mai, Thailand, where I'll essentially be doing the same thing that I've been doing for the past four years, which is teaching people how to make disciples. And so uh, I won't be necessarily on the front lines um, sharing the gospel with Thais, but more so training up the Thai believers that do exist in the country to go and engage their own people. Because uh, a Thai person engaging another Thai person is way more effective than White Bread Blake trying to do that himself. And, uh, and so um, that's what I'll be doing. And then my wife, Mackenzie, will be serving uh, at our international field office. She'll actually be helping to launch it where they'll be serving all of our teams across the globe. Uh, and all of our teams serve in areas where uh, there are unreached people groups or people groups where 2% or less are believing christians and so she'll be helping to serve and care for those teams uh through strategic planning uh through care and counseling and crisis management and everything in between Uh, and so that's essentially what we'll be doing and we've committed to the team over there for six years and uh yeah uh and uh some ways that you guys can be praying for us as we go forward uh so we launch in about a month here and we would just love your prayers for our transition here um Yeah, just a lot of logistics and a lot of emotions, honestly, uh, as we prepare to go. And so we just love your prayer that uh, we would walk in step with the Spirit, that we wouldn't um, try to do this in our flesh, but that the Spirit would guide our time, and also that we would finish well here in Houston with our friends and our family. Um, And if you guys are interested in following along with our our journey and our story, then you guys can come uh, see us in the back after service and uh, just give us your email, and we'll put you guys on our newsletter list.
0: Wonderful. Well, I want to have an opportunity to pray for uh, both of you guys and your families as you guys are transitioning. Um, this is so exciting. And the greatest part, uh, if, you've, if you haven't been part of a church that sends out missionaries regularly, I, I have been part of churches that do this. Uh, it's more than just uh, the launch. Um, they've committed to six years of their lives, but in time, there will be furloughs or different things where they make their way back stateside. They've got some family members that might want to see them uh, during that time. Um, Uh, It's also not a a place where we just send people. We also welcome them back. Um, And Bayou City is their home. We want to love them as best we can. They may be more at the Spring Branch campus at times, but maybe uh, we can entice them to pop over to Tomball and encourage us with their stories for what God is doing. Um, and also continue to pray for them, lifting them up uh, as they serve the Lord in a, in, in a different context with all the challenges that that brings. So love you guys. You have a home here. I hope you know that. And uh, we're excited to send you out and welcome you as you need it along the way. So let me pray for you guys. Lord, thank you so much for Blake and McKenzie. Thank you so much for your call on their lives and um, the, the bold step of faith to take their family together and go um, overseas, go to another culture, go to another country uh, for the purpose of sharing your gospel, raising up believers and making disciples of all nations. What a beautiful, what a beautiful um, way to spend your lives, the way that you call us to spend your lives, our lives. So Lord, I pray that you would uh, smooth the travel plans Lord, as they say goodbye to friends, I, friends going, relationships would actually even grow stronger over this time apart, that they would see their friends going overseas, um, going through all the challenges, but it being inspired back home. Lord, I pray for our church body as we uh, think about your global missions. We can put a face and an example of people that are going overseas. And Lord, that we would be inspired and encouraged and pray deeply for this couple and their family as they raise them in this environment. We pray for their finances, that it would be smooth. We pray for their health, their family as they go, that it would be um, safe and secure. And Lord, we pray for their family back home that is sending off uh, um, their kids that they love, their friends that they love, their family, brothers and sisters that they love, that um, they would be encouraged and inspired um, as as their kids go and serve. And we also, lastly, just pray for fruit, that lots of Thai people would come to faith, be inspired to lead people in faith, and that we would see more people come to know you, Jesus. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. You're the best. All right, give me a hand. Oh. Exciting. Very, very exciting. Well, if you have a Bible, Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to be. And um, if you thought that was the only missions story you were going to hear this morning, uh, you are in for a treat because we get Paul's second missionary journey here in Acts chapter 16. It is going to be a big old missions theme. So Acts chapter 16, uh, read with me starting in verse um, verse 1. It says this. Now Paul also came to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Now Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that place. And they all knew that their father was a Greek, and they went on their way through the cities, and they delivered uh, to them the observance of the decision that had been reached by the apostles. Uh, who were in Jerusalem. Now jump down to verse six. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing out of Myasia, they went to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia Donius was standing there urging him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, uh, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, a lot of great names here this morning, um, and following the day to Neopolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in that city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we were outside the gate of, um, the gate to the riverside where we were supposed, to, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had come there. One who had heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, she and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, thank you for um, just the example of going in bold faith. Um, Thank you for um, Blake and McKenzie and their faithfulness to say, yes, we are gonna go on mission into this world for the sake of the gospel. Thank you for for their bold steps of faith. And Lord, thank you for for men like Paul and and Silas that, that simply said, yes, I will go, Lord, wherever you're calling me to go. So Lord, I pray that as we open up your word this morning, as we look into this text, you would help us to be open people that we would be willing to say, yes, Lord, wherever you're calling us to go, I will go. And Lord, that's bigger than what I can manufacture in a sermon. So Lord, I pray that your spirit would make us alive. Call us to do what only you can call us to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to give you two proverbs um, as we start this morning. And the first proverb is this, um, where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is the man who keeps the law. And that first proverb is basically saying is this, when there's no vision for where to go in life, when there's no vision for what to do in life, there's no structure in your life, you're going to cast off restraint. You're going to do whatever you want. The second proverb is this, Proverbs sixteen nine. This is this, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. From these two texts, there's two things that we need. You need vision, and you need trust. You need vision. This is where I'm going in life, and you need trust, because you don't always know how you're gonna get there in life. You need vision, and you need trust. And there's two real biblical perspectives we all need in life. One is uh, clarity on direction and purpose in your life, And secondly, clarity on the challenges of life. There is You need clarity and direction, but also clarity that there will be difficulties as you go. If you don't know your purpose in life, you're going to drift aimlessly. And if you don't expect problems in life, you will question constantly. If you don't know where you're going, you're going to drift. And if you don't know that it's going to be painful along the way... You're going to question, now why do I start in that way? Because we're going to look at Paul's second missionary journey. A missionary journey that, that took, and it was really, uh, it started as a split from, from he and Barnabas. He and Barnabas went separate directions. Paul took along Silas, and he starts this second missionary journey. And in and, and many ways, Paul knew his purpose in life. God, in fact, had given it to him in Acts chapter 9, verse 16. It says, He says this, right after Paul's conversion, right after he saw that blinding light, that God was gonna be with him and change the direction of his life, change his life's purpose. Acts 19, 16 says this, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, I don't know what your purpose, uh, your life verse might be. Some Christians choose a life verse. um, And it may be something like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or, blessed is the one who loves Jesus, right? It's something like typically that. You're probably not gonna pick that one for your life verse. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. But that was Paul's life verse. And he knew that by following Jesus, complications were gonna come. One of my favorite statements that he makes is in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, where he says, but I do not account my life as any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul had a clear vision and purpose for his life. And he knew with that clear vision and purpose, there were going to come problems. He knew that there was gonna be pain along this path, and the reason I'm setting up all of this this way is because the same is true for you in your Christian life. If you set in your mind, I'm gonna purpose my life to follow Jesus Christ. I'm gonna follow that big goal, that big direction. There will be problems along the way. Don't be surprised when things don't go as you hope. And so what we're gonna look at this morning Um, In large part, it's directed at the Christians. The majority of this message is directed at you and your path, your following of the Christian life. And for you following the Christian life, here's here's the outline for this morning. We're going to look at closed doors when God says no. We're going to look at open doors when God says go. We're going to look at opposition when you start taking some blows. And we're going to look at dead ends when God says slow. So we're going to look at no, go, blow, and slow. That's what we're looking at this morning. In the Christian life, you're going to encounter open doors, closed doors, opposition, and dead ends. As you try to walk with Jesus, these things will all flood at you. And the majority of this message is going to be directed at Christians. How do we navigate those circumstances in life? But at the end of this sermon, I'm going to give you three applications for those of you who have not put your faith in Jesus Christ who are still trying to figure out what is this God thing? What do these Christians actually believe? And so at the end of it, hold on, I've got a few things for you. So the first part of this sermon, I want to give us this, is when God says no, when doors close. At the beginning of this text, we see that Paul um, takes Silas and goes on this uh, start of the missionary journey. It says they went through the, the region of um, Fergia and Galatia, but he's forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak a word to Asia. Now, for those of you, you don't know where these locations are. I may be, might as well be speaking of like, I don't know, Lord of the Rings. Like, is that Mordor? No, it's not. These are actual places that actually exist. And here's a map, some maps to kind of direct us along the way. The first map is this uh, it shows where uh, Timothy. Uh, or sorry, where Paul and Silas go in a direction and Barnabas goes in the opposite direction. So that's gonna be the first slide that comes up any moment here. I'm really hoping for this to, to come. We're just gonna click through the maps and then I'll explain them along the journey. This'll be great. Okay, so this is the first split of the two men, okay? So this is their first split there in Syria. That big body of water is the Mediterranean Sea. That's just north of the nation of Israel. We're gonna to go to the next slide. At this moment, you see that Paul uh, picks up Timothy, a young convert, a a, a Greek. His father was a Greek. His mom was Jewish. And they go on this next part of the journey through this northern part. This is where modern-day Turkey is located. And so they're going, and they're trying to preach the gospel in this region, but God is closing the doors. He's saying no. And so um, they came up to an area called Myasia. Go go ahead and go to the next map and you, you see them go from Lystra, and they're going to go all the way to Myasia, and that's where they're going to have this, this stopping point before they go over to Macedonia and Philippi. So in all this part of the journey, they're, what they're trying to do is go towards this region and start sharing the gospel in what is modern-day Turkey. They're calling this area Asia. It's different than what we say Asia today. That's more, we talk about China and that, that area. In, in ancient world, that area was considered Asia. And During this time, he is getting a constant no every place they go. And we're not clear about why they're getting the no. It it actually just says that they were hindered or they were cut off. The word forbidden in verse 6, basically by the Holy Spirit, means um, to be clipped or snipped. They're prevented, they are hindered. Why, why won't God let them speak the gospel to these regions? And that's what I was wondering. Okay, Paul, you've been called by God, you've been sent on this mission by Jesus, you are actually going the right direction, and you actually have the right mission, but every time you're starting to do the right thing and start speaking the word of God, doors are getting closed. Now, why are the doors getting closed? Well, the text doesn't clearly specify why, and I think that's really helpful, because you don't always know why. There's not always a clear reason as to why some progress is stopped in your life. But oftentimes, God will prevent your progress. You will get no's in life. It's when he or she says, no, I will not marry you. It's when that job interview goes poorly and you don't get hired. It's when that promotion you wanted goes to another person. It's when you get cut from the team. Every one of us in life will encounter no's, and, and, and oftentimes when we get the no, we want the explanation. Why won't you marry me? I'm a great guy. I'm so sorry, not for me, right? And you're like, I just, why don't I get the job promotion? Like, I feel like I'm qualified for this job. I think I'm good for this job. Sorry, the answer's no. Why didn't I get that starting spot? Why didn't I get that opportunity? The answer simply sometimes is no, and here's the problem. Here's the real issue with no's. You want a why so that you can get a yes. But sometimes God says, no, that's not your path. That's not what I have for you. I'm going to close that door. And oftentimes, God doesn't give you an explanation. And let me tell you, when God says no and he closes that door, it is very, very challenging to deal with. What are some no's that you've had in your life? For me, there's job opportunities I did not get. To me, there's teams I didn't make. There's opportunities that were said no to. And when I get a no, I begin questioning God, are you really in charge? God, are you really guiding my life? C.S. Lewis has this great quote. He says, He once wrote, We are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us but we are wondering how painful the best might turn out to be. That was so good. We never doubt God has the best for us, but how painful is that best going to be? There's there's a character quality that you and I need in our Christian life when we get no's. And the character quality is this, perseverance. And what will give you perseverance in life is when you have clarity of purpose. If you have clarity of purpose, you can persevere. But if you don't have clarity of purpose, then every no you get will send you spinning. It will send you running aimlessly. If you don't know the direction God is calling you to go, then every no will throw you off course. But if you know your main purpose in life is to glorify God and make him known, then no no you get will ever take you off course. William Carey, missionary to India, he has this amazing quote, he says this, if anyone can give me credit for being anything, it would be this, for being a plotter. He would describe me justly. Anything beyond that will be too much. I can plod. I can persevere in any definite pursuit. To this I owe everything. William Carey says, I'm not the best at this, but I can plod. I love that word. It means I can just take one step after another and continue going forward even when I get the no. And that is a needed character quality in the Christian life. What he calls plodding, the Bible calls perseverance, to continue to move forward even through the no. And that's what Paul does. And he continues to say, okay, I can't go this direction, and I'm gonna move a little bit further. Okay, if that's a no, I'm gonna go a little bit further. And he lands in a a city called Troas. And in many ways, you'd be like, why did you land in Troas? It's not a significant city. It's not a major port or or area. And he lands there, but what's fascinating is that Troas, through all of these no's, he lands there, and he meets a young man named Luke. Luke, who's gonna write the Gospel of Luke, as well as the book of Acts. And it was through all these nos that all of a sudden Peter meets Luke and the and the the descriptive terms change, the descriptive terms, the pronouns change from he and them to we and us for the rest of the book of Acts. Is because Luke all of a sudden joins the journey. Sometimes the no's in your life, you don't understand, but there may be someone that God sprinkles into your journey to say, keep persevering, and I'm going to put some more people in your life, and you keep moving. That's what happens to Paul. So when God says no, what we need is perseverance. But the second thing that we see is that sometimes God says go. And so there, and then there's a moment they're wondering, okay, where am I going to go next? How are we going to get there? And so suddenly they, they get this vision, Peter, find, or Paul finally gets a vision from God to say, I want you to go to Macedonia. And so it, it says that they were waiting for this next direction, waiting for the next step. And then it says, finally, you got a vision, a man from Macedonia just across the way is saying, come to me. And it says in verse 11, so they set sail from Troas and made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis, and then from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And they remained in this city some days. What do you do when God says go? You run, you persevere with passion. That's what you do. See, sometimes God is gonna say, yes, go. Sometimes the wind is behind your sails, and that's where we wanna be right? Like that's what we want. We want God to say yes, go and charge. Luke describes this this, uh, voyage in verse 11 as as, a straight course. That means there was no wind blowing them side to side. It means it was smooth sailing. And that's what you want in life. You want to go from one high to the next, right? Up and to the right is where we want all of our things to go. And sometimes in life, that's how it is. God says, go, and they go to Macedonia. They make their way to Philippi. That's where you're later gonna get the book of Philippians, the letter to the Philippian church. And there they meet a woman named Lydia. It says that Lydia is a seller of purple. Purple was a, uh, really a color of royalty. It was very expensive to make. And so Lydia was this amazing businesswoman, and they meet th- her at this place of prayer. Apparently, there weren't enough Jewish people to actually have a synagogue, and so some people would get together by the river to pray, and they meet, they start preaching the gospel, and Lydia comes to faith in this moment. All of these no's, and finally, a Yes. They get there and she comes to faith and that is absolutely amazing. The first convert in this region, very, very powerful. So what do you do when God says go? You run with passion. See, oftentimes in life, if we've been knocked down a couple times, we've gotten a couple no's in our life, we're a little bit hesitant. Like we're a little bit unsure about moving forward. See, when God says go, that means you have to run like a running back. So we're in Texas. You love football, right? So so what do you want a running back to do? You want the quarterback to get the ball, hand it to the running back, and you don't want the running back thinking. You're going to be like, where should I go today? You're like, no, 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 no. Like that's not going to help the team. You get the ball, you see the opening, and you charge through. That's what you want from a good running back, and that's what God wants from his people. Sometimes God is going to dink your life a little bit. No, you're not going to go this way. No, you're not going to go that way. But as soon as he gives you that opportunity, that's when he wants you to run. I remember when I was in college, um, I, I ran track at the University of Texas, and there was an opportunity my junior year of college to run at Stanford University at Palo Alto um, to qualify for the, U, for, the, um, for the national champions, the NCAA national championships. And as I, I was getting there, I wasn't... Uh, good enough to run in the fast race. Um, Only the top athletes could run in the fast heat of the steeplechase, that was my race, and they've had the slower people in the second heat. And I was in the second heat because I had not run fast enough. But the problem was this, if I wasn't in the fast heat, I wasn't gonna run a fast enough time to qualify for the NCAA championships. You had to run a certain time in order to run at the national championship race. And so that's why we had gone to California. That's why we had gone to Stanford. We're like, okay, if you get in the fast heat in the fast race, you can qualify for the NCAA championships. And so I get there and I'm in the second heat and I'm warming up for my race. And literally the, the race is about to start and I look at my coach, Vig, who's on the phone, on his cell phone with my head coach back in Austin. And he's going, Bubba, my coach back there was Bubba Thornton, he's a Bubba which is such a great coach name, right? I think, I think if your name is Bubba, you need to be a coach. And, and he's, like, he's like, Bubba, um, they won't let him in the, in the fast heat. And my coach back into Austin's going, well, is he good enough to do it? And Vin's is like, I, I think so. And he goes, put Vin on the line. Vin Lanana was the head coach at Stanford University. And so he, I mean, the race is about to start. He hands Vin the phone, and Vin goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. Vin looks at me and says, you're in the second heat, the fast heat. And I'm standing there on the side like, oh, okay, just nervous, freaking out. And I go to the side. I'm like, okay, I'm in second heat. I'm in second heat. And my coach looks at me in the eye, and he says, I want you to stick on this guy and just run behind him this whole race. And I was like, all right. We get to the line, Terrified. And there's all things, all the things that could have been going through my mind. Like one, I shouldn't be here. These people are all better than me. Um, there's no way that I can compete at this level. But I put all of that out of my mind, and I said, I'm going to stick on this guy's tail. The gun blows, and I stick right behind this Stanford runner, and we go lap after lap after lap after lap, just staying right there on his back. We get to the last lap of the race. He runs away from me. He's very good. I, and I keep running through the race. I run all the way through the finish line. I go over to a grate that is right by the side of the track, and I just throw up. I mean, just – and as I'm laying there, just like puking my guts out, I look up at the, at the times because they flash them up on the big screen, and I see my time, 8.45, 0, fast enough to qualify for the national championships – Fast enough to qualify for the U.S. championships and smile with puke on my face, right? Like, as soon as you know, you did it. And that is the Christian life. There's times when God is gonna say, go. Go, this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to work that job. This is your opportunity to raise that kid. This is your opportunity to love that spouse. This is your opportunity to share your faith. This is your opportunity to pack up your family and go overseas. Whatever it is, when God says go, you go with crazed abandon. And that is a beautiful, beautiful picture of the Christian life. When God says go, you go with passion. Remember the first time I ever spoke in big church? I was 28 years old. And at that church, uh, there would be a front row where there would be about four men standing together. One of them was one that would give announcements. And he would walk up, give announcements, and then go sit down. The next person was one that would do an elder prayer moment. So he'd walk up, pray, and then go sit down. And the last guy, he just like prayed for me and then walked away. And I remember I had two, there was two songs left, and I'm sitting on the front row alone with like my little notes in hand. And I'm sitting there going like, I'm all alone. They all left me. And now i got to go stand up there by myself and deliver this little thing. And I remember feeling so scared in that moment. Lord, I know you've called me to preach your gospel, but this is terrifying. And I remember just sitting there praying, and then walking on stage, and the grace and the spirit of the Lord filling me, saying, go. Deliver for me. That's it. There's moments in life when God says no. There's no moments in life when God says go, and you run with the wind at your back. And thirdly, there's moments in life when you're going to take blows, when there's going to be opposition. Although you're going the right direction that God has called you to go, there's going to be resistance that comes. And so we see Paul. He's, he's, he's moving through. He's being faithful to the Lord. He sees the conversion of Lydia. It's an amazing, exciting moment. And then suddenly opposition is gonna arise there in Philippi. In verse 16 it says this, as they were going from that place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God. Who Proclaim to you the way of salvation? And she kept doing this for many days. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, which I think is so funny, he's just mad like, he turned and said to the Spirit, "I command you, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her." And it, was, it came out that very hour, but when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Isn't that fascinating? They're being faithful to the Lord, they're preaching the gospel, and suddenly there's this young woman who is demon-possessed, she keeps on shouting out, these are servants of the most high God, which you're like, isn't she like, she's like declaring the gospel, isn't that a good thing? Well, it's stopping the mission of, of sharing the faith. Like, she is distracting everyone, and so Paul says, okay, there is a spirit in her, get out. And that was a problem. It was great for the girl. I mean, she was oppressed, and she was set free. That was beautiful for her. The problem was that she was a fortune teller. And she made some people money by telling fortune. See, what, what's going to happen for all of our lives is that following Christ and walking with God sometimes has financial implications. Sometimes walking with God will affect your bottom line and it affected their bottom line. And so immediately they go and they They seize these people, they drag them in front of the marketplace, in front of the rulers, and Paul and Silas are going to go to be in prison. Why? I mean, they're doing the right thing. It's because when you're preaching the gospel, you're going to have two responses. There's going to be joy and salvation, and then there's going to be other people that see the implications of the gospel, and they want to shut it down. The same is true in, in your work environment following Jesus, sometimes in work, is going to open up opportunities for you. Other times, you're going to have to make a moral decision to follow the Lord that will run contrary to your company's profits. And when you face that moral dilemma with financial implications, not everyone is cheering on being a Christian. See, every one of us in following Christ will take blows at certain levels. We'll have moments when people are trying to shut us down. Following Christ will have financial implications, security implications, safety implications. Verse 20 says, they brought them down to the magistrates. These men are Jews and they're disturbing the whole city They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice, which was a lie. They were lied about. The crowd joined them in attacking them, and the magistrate's tore their garments and gave orders to beat them with rods and they were inflicted many blows on them and threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet with stalks. They were chained to stalks for preaching the gospel. That's what happens. Does that really happen? Sadly, yes. Adoniram Judson was born August 9th, 1788 he died in April 12th, um, 1850. He was a missionary that wanted to go to the Burmese people. Um, and there was a young woman that he fell in love with. Her name was Anne. And he wrote a letter uh, asking for Anne's hand in marriage. And this was the letter that he wrote to Anne's father. It included this. It says, I have now to ask whether you consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her, her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure to a heathen land and subject her to the hardships and suffering of missionary life, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls? For the sake of Zion and the glory of God, can you consent to this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness, brightened by the acclamations of praise, which shall resound to her Savior for heaven, through her, through her means, through, from etern- um, removed from her means, but having eternal impact? He gave that question to her, and she said, Yes, I'll go. They go overseas. And at one point uh, they lose um, their firstborn son. They lose they lose a second son to disease in Burma. And then he is put into stocks. And over a time, he is there and he gets scars on his arms from being faithful to the Lord in this place. And finally, Adoniram is released from prison and he asked the leader who put him into prison, he says, can I share my faith with your people? And the ruler said, I'm not afraid of your words, but I do fear that my people Will be impressed by your scars and therefore turn to your Jesus. Your cre- your request is denied. See, sometimes your scars make great stories. Paul will say in, in Romans eighteen eight, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Will we get some scars along the ways? Yeah. And your scars make great stories. Every time you put a bunch of dudes around a campfire, what do they do? Hey, you know how I got this? You know how I got this? It says that Jesus, when he was resurrected, Thomas says, I'm not gonna believe it unless I put my finger in his scars. Jesus come on. In Revelation, it says he looked at, he saw Jesus there, and he was like a lamb that was slain. See Jesus was slain in our place for our sins. He took the blows so that we might have life. That's why we take the blows so that others might find life. So there's moments when God says, "No," when He says, "Go," when we take blows." And lastly, when God says "Slow," He goes to prison he's there with the Philippian jailer and suddenly an earthquake hits the prison and all the prison doors open up and, and all the prisoners run and the Philippian jailer at that moment, a Roman soldier when he sees all the prisoners run he is terrified because he has one job to keep the prisoners in place and so at that moment it says that he grabbed a sword, drew his sword and was about to kill himself but Paul cried out and said in a loud voice don't harm yourself, we're all here And at that moment, the Philippian jailer is like, what? What do you mean you're all here? See, at that moment, he faced a dead end. God said, slow down. And he stuck him in this place, in prison, while he's sitting there. He had an opportunity to run, but character and integrity kept him there. The integrity of, I believe that God is in control of my life. He has set this purpose. He has put me here. And I am here to help whoever comes my way. The Philippian jailer isn't even looking to be a Christian. He's not looking, has, doesn't have any interest in Christ. But by God's grace, he saw someone in need and says, here, I'm gonna stay here for you. So you have divine appointments in life. That's why God often says, slow down. A friend of mine several years ago was, um, was in a park with his wife on a little date. And in this particular park, there was a very high tower. And he looked up at the top of the tower, and there's a young man sitting on the edge of the tower with his legs dangling off. And as he's having a conversation with his wife, he's like, that doesn't look right. There's something not right up there. And at one level, they could have just kind of gone on with their date and said, well, that's weird, let's leave but he said to himself no I'm going to go I'm going to talk to that young man and he walks up there and in the course of the conversation it becomes clear that this young man is about to jump he's about to take his life he had lost all reason for living and as my friend stood there he just started asking him questions he took the time to slow down and be present in the life of someone he never knew character and Christ-like integrity put him in that moment. They called the police. The police came eventually and helped get him down. And over the next several months they would meet together for coffee. And he would share his faith and continue to invest in this young man's life. Sometimes God says slow down so that he can use you significantly in the lives of another The Philippian jailer had lost all hope. But in that moment, he says, there's something different in these young men's lives. Paul and Silas, I want what they have. And in that moment, he and his entire household came to faith. I don't know where you're walking through in life, but some of you feel like a ping pong ball in God's sovereign plan. And you feel like sometimes God's just batting you from one thing to the other. And you're like, God, why are you kind of batting my life this way? Like, what what are you doing with me? And, And God in his sovereign plan has a singular purpose. And that is to get people to know him. To change their life from the inside out. And if you're willing, God can grab your life and put you in that story. The story that matters most. And so sometimes God's gonna say no and that's good because he has a better purpose. And sometimes God's gonna say go and that's good so we run with abandon. And sometimes God's gonna say, gonna give you some blows and that's good because you're gonna have a great story with that pain. All things God works together for good for those whom God loves and are called according to his purpose. And sometimes God is gonna say slow down. And that's so that we take that moment to look beside us and see whose lives we can invest in. Now, for the Christian, those are for you. For those of you who aren't Christians, there's actually three moments of salvation here. You see, Lydia, a businesswoman who is a God fearer, who is ready to believe. Some of you, that's you this morning. You've actually never put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You are living your own life, but you're interested, you're ready. And let me just say, today is a great day to put your faith in Jesus. He died in your place for your sins. He is here for you to send your life in a great new direction with a lot of challenges and a lot of wounds and a lot of hurt and beauty. It's time to put your faith in Jesus. For others of you, you are like the oppressed young woman. There's all sorts of things that have been clouding your life and you're asking yourself, is there hope? And you're screaming into the night with no clarity. There is clarity. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. And so if you feel oppressed today, let me just tell you, there's hope in Jesus. And the third person, it's really the disinterested person. It's the person who's just doing his job. Well, that may be you this morning. You're just doing your job. You're doing your day to day. But God in his grace at some point is gonna wreck your life. He's gonna upend it. In this text, it says the foundations of the prison were shaken. God will shake our foundations so that we finally look up. And if that's you, if you feel shaken today, it's time to look at Jesus Christ. He is the one that can save you. And so this morning, um, we'll have a chance to respond in prayer. And there's really um, just a couple different options. There's some of us that are believers, but we felt the pressure, the blows of life. We're like, God, are you still in control? Absolutely. And so if you are feeling the pressures of life and you're like, is, God, I, I just need some confidence in some believers. I believe in Jesus. I just need some help along the way. I want you to come up with our prayer team. We want to pray for you to encourage you. The next group, you might be one of those three people. Either you're ready, you feel oppressed or lost, or you feel like you're kind of doing your own thing, but God is waking you up. Well, come forward. Today's a great day to put your faith alone in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins. There's others of you. This is the last group. Where God has given you a clear go. Maybe it's to lead in a Bible study. Maybe it's to share your faith with someone. Maybe for some of you, as we prayed for, the, um, for Blake and McKenzie, maybe you're just, man, I feel like God has always been calling me to go into missions, but I've always resisted. Maybe it's time to say yes to that go. If that's you, we wanna pray for you this morning to give you some encouragement, put some wind behind your sails i give you one quick application for that. If that's you, like I'm ready to go and serve the Lord either locally or globally. Um, our, we're gonna have a collective gathering right after this service where you get to be plugged into our community. Here's how you can serve. Here's how you can be part of his greater mission. Here's how you can be ready to go here. Last one. Dr. Mark Yarborough, the president of Dallas Theological Seminary, is going to be teaching um, God's big story at our Spring Branch campus next weekend. He's going to walk through the entire storyline of Scripture over that weekend. And maybe for some of you, you're like, man, all of these pieces, I've never really understood God's big purpose, his big mission in the world. Going next weekend to that event may be a great opportunity for you. I can give you the details for that. It is $70. It is next weekend, Spring Branch Campus. It will be amazing. You are gonna get caught up in God's big story that he's moving. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you for each person here. And Lord, thank you that you call us to live on your mission, to live on your purposes. And Lord, I know that there's many people here today that we've, we actually don't have a clear purpose in life. And so often we find ourselves drifting from thing to thing because we don't have the clarity that comes from a God-given purpose. I pray that this morning, we might have a greater vision, a greater embrace of your purpose in our lives. And Lord, I know that some of us um, this morning are taking blows their work or friendships family members the hits that come with faithfulness lord i pray that they would receive encouragement today as they come forward we pray for them to continue to pursue you jesus i pray that they would feel encouraged today and i know there's people here this morning that are far from you for any number of reasons they feel oppressed they feel disinterested lord i pray that you would break in by the power of your spirit that by your grace, we might be saved and walk a new life with you. Lord, I lift up every person here to you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you have purpose, even in our pains. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bay City family, visit us online at baycityfellowship.com or download the Bay City Fellowship Tomball app to find community in the body of Christ.